<laughs> Cute little video. Uh, that introduces, strangely well, uh, this new series we're beginning today and we'll continue for two more Sundays after today called Yes and No. I would argue that these are the two most powerful words in our language. With these words, officials who rule nations are elected. Laws are either put in place or shot down. With these two words, children cry and throw tantrums. With these two words, adults will cry and throw tantrums. That's the power of these two words. They're very powerful words. And here is the reason why we're taking three Sundays to talk about this. And this is, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. You may be like, yeah, I've read this, or I kind of knew this. If this is kind of a new thing, uh, I'm excited because I feel like I am just now starting to learn this in my life. Uh, But this is the truth behind everything we're sharing these, these next three Sundays. Behind every no is a yes, and every yes requires many no's. That's what we're going to learn today and the next Sunday and the next Sunday together. Behind every no is a yes, and every yes requires many no's. Now that first part, behind every no is a yes, this is very, very powerful because what we're going to learn today specifically is this, finding the yes Behind the no is a powerful revelation that forces a choice. And static. There we go. Is that better? Awesome, thanks. So the yes behind the no reveals something. You start asking, why am I saying no here? What am I saying yes to when I'm saying no to this? That will reveal something about you, your motives, your circumstances, your values. And then once you come to understand that, you've got a choice to make. Do you want to keep that no or you want to discard that no? That's the power behind all of that. Now we're going to talk more about that in very personal ways as we go through this series. But I think one of the best ways to really understand the tension there is parenthood. For my parents who are in the room, if you have small children... How many times have you said no in the past week? I don't know. I know we said it a lot. Actually, the first word that my daughter said, her first words were no. And what I don't know for sure is if she heard us say it a lot, which may be true, or if she was for a long time trying to figure out how to get us to stop doing something we were doing, and she finally found the right word, and and that was it. I don't know what her motivation was, but that was her first words, and she said it a lot once she learned it, you know. But we say no a lot as parents to a lot of different things. Now, when I think of my son Cameron, I'm making sure to get both in the sermon today so they can be equally mortified. Um, Cameron... He was always, from from a very young age, super focused on what he was doing to where you couldn't even get his attention. If he was doing something and he was locked in, you're like, hey, Cam, you almost had to get his attention. And so when he would be walking with us somewhere, sometimes he would walk ahead of us, and if he was going the wrong way or going in a different direction or about to go into a place he shouldn't go, it was hard to get his attention. Well, one time we were walking at the Florence Mall, and uh, this was happening, and he was walking ahead, and I was trying to get his attention. He didn't hear me. It turns out he ended up walking far enough ahead to be adjacent with another family, and I could almost see it happening before it happened. He's just focused on whatever he's focused on, 
And then he just puts his hand in the hand of the man standing right next to him. And what was so funny about that was he just, the man went along with it. He's like, oh, you know, and we almost met eyes. And he turned and looked to say, Who's, whose boy is this? And I was just laughing. And he, when he finally realized that was not me he, whose hands he was holding, it was hilarious. That was Cam. He was so focused. Well, that was funny, but it's not funny when it happens in a bad way. One time we were here at church and we were about to leave. A lot of people were leaving at the same time. I don't remember what the event was, but there was a lot of traffic going past the main entrance of our family life center. We're coming down the hall to that exit inside, and he's walking ahead of us at a pretty good clip. I'm trying to get his attention. Stop, stop, stop. Don't go out. Don't go out. Wait for us. Wait for us. Instead, he darts right out, and by the time I ran and caught up to him, less than a foot was between him and a moving vehicle that went right by him, and I remember it was probably one of the most angry moments I've ever had with my son. I was so mad at him. I was like, Why didn't you stop? I say stop. You need to stop. I'm so mad at you right now. And I was probably a little bit over the top with my emotions at that point. But the yes behind that no was to keep him alive. So therefore, I don't regret that no. I was glad I was firm on that. I might have been a little bit intense. You know, it's funny what our faces look like when we're in that moment. You know, I'm, uh, yay, uh, my name is Bill. Nice to meet you. When I say stop, I mean stop. You know, we can get all contorted and so frustrated. But as I, as I think about other no's that I've said to my kids over the years, if I'm being honest, if I try to find the yes behind those no's, you, you remember when your kids were able to start asking that question? No. Why? Why not? Why not? Why? And then you try to answer it, but the next why comes, and the next why comes. And then we give the answer that is the queen trump card of all answers, because I... And that's all you need to know in order to survive this life that I created for you, right? And then we walk away. (laughs) Amen. So, but if we're being honest... Some of those no's that we said because I said so too. You know what the real answer, you know what the yes behind those no's are? Because I don't want to get out of my seat right now to do what you've asked me to do. Because I want to do what I want to do for once in my waking life rather than do what you want me to do, child. That's probably the real yes behind some of those intense no's that we've given. There have been times when Sherry and I have said, we don't even know why. We just want to say no because... We don't want to say yes. Uh, Sometimes that's what's going on there with us. That's what I mean by the revelation that happens when you ask the question, what is the yes behind my no? And some of you might be saying, well, I'm kind of a yes person. I almost never say no. Stay in this series. Come back next week. Come back the week after because you need to hear some of this too. But for those of you who say no a lot, that might be a little convicting. Like, what is the yes behind all my no's? To wrap our minds around this together today, I want us to experience the powerful revelation behind a person's no. And he had several no's, maybe even many no's. We said that every yes requires many no's. And we find this person's no, in fact, a couple of very, very hard no's in Scripture. And it's the man we just sang a lot about, Jesus Christ. I want to give you just a couple of examples of some very, very hard, firm no's that he gave. And the first one we find in Mark, Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 
31 to 35 to you, just six verses. But let me set up what happened right before this. Right before this, Jesus was hunkered down with his 12 disciples in a cluster of villages in a region known as Caesarea Philippi. Isn't that a fun name to say? Caesarea, you can say, when you go to Skyline, where are you going today? You can say, I learned a new foreign village name, Caesarea Philippi. So Caesarea Philippi is known most famously for what happened there between Jesus and Peter. Jesus asked, what's the word on the street? What are people saying about me? And the disciples gave these different answers. And then he asked a very pointed question that I believe at some point in our lives, he asks each and every one of us. He asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter had his, really, his one big shining moment in Scripture. He had several, but this one was a big one. He said, you are the Christ. You know, the word Christ, we're so used to that. I used to think that was Jesus' last name, like Jesus Christ, Bill Clark, whatever, you know. Christ is actually his title. It means anointed one. It was the Greek version of the word Messiah, which was Hebrew, the anointed one, the king, the one prophesied about in Old Testament prophecy. You are the Christ. Those four words were very, very powerful. It was the confession of Peter. Great moment. Right after that happened, this happened. Mark eight thirty one, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. I love that sentence. In case you're wondering, Jesus didn't mince words here. This is what's happening. He said it plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Feeling pretty good about himself, I guess, after that confession, you are the Christ, right? He took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. I'd call that a hard no, wouldn't you? Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I'm going to hit the pause button there. We could go on and see more things that Christ said about that. But in this moment that he had with Peter, talk about going from hero to zero really fast. Uh, Peter had this great moment where he confessed you are the Christ. Next thing you know, he's being called Satan, which is such a harsh thing. And in my mind, I, I kind of go back to me as a parent of, of toddlers. Was it just a moment where Jesus' humanity was showing? Because that's, that's a big theological tenet that we hold to that has a lot of tension to it. it, it Jesus was 100% human, but he was also 100% divine in deity. And I often tend to default to the deity version of Jesus. And sometimes I forget that this same Jesus, he thirsted, he hungered, he got tired, he got distressed, he wept, he was even tempted. And there's a whole passage about the temptation that Christ endured before he began his public ministry. He was all those things. So part of me thought, oh, he says, get behind me, Satan. Maybe he was just having that same moment that some of you have had when you're driving to va on vacation, a long drive, and your kids say, are we there yet? 
Get behind me, Satan. You're not, you're not right right now. You know, I'm mad at you right now. That could have been what happened. We'll dive into that just a little bit further, but I think one thing I've come to learn about Jesus Christ, every single word he uttered was filled with purpose and intention and was not by accident. There's so much we can learn from every word that he spoke. He called Peter Satan. And what is Satan? What does he do? He's a liar. He's a tempter. He's an accuser. His name means those things. So in this moment, when Peter, thinking he was doing a good thing, and let's cut him some slack. We can be kind of harsh because we have the gift of hindsight, right? Like it was not weird for us to read what Jesus said, that he was going to suffer, that he was going to die, and that he was going to rise again. We sing about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. This was news to Peter and his disciples. It was a lot for them to have wrapped their minds around. And probably several of them were thinking it. But Peter, because he's Peter, the way he's wired, he's got foot and mouth disease. He said something. He pulls Jesus aside and says, no way, no way. This is not the plan at all. You are the son of God. First of all, there is no rival. There is no equal. You cannot be killed. That's one thing. And, we did, and we're following you because you're about to establish the kingdom that was prophesied about. That someone from the lineage of David would one day sit upon the throne and his kingdom would last forever. Finally, someone's going to kick Rome out of here and rule this place. And Israel will be great again. That's why we're following you. It was in that moment that Jesus realized Peter has his mind set on something different than the plan that Jesus came for. And again, let me just say this. I don't think any of us would have got that right. I really don't think we would have. We would have all said, what is he talking about? That's crazy. This is not true at all. There's about to be a revolution. And that revolution means Jesus does not die. It means he lives. And we follow him. And we all live. And that's why Jesus says, let me tell you what it's like to follow me. If you want to follow me, you will take up your cross. And you will die to yourself. And that's the only way you actually live. Again, we've studied it a little bit. Books have been written about it. Songs have been written about it. We sing about it. They didn't understand this yet. So in this moment, when Jesus looks squarely into the eyeballs of Peter, and I, here's how my mind works. I try to picture things. I picture their noses being about this close. <laughs> looking squarely eyeball to eyeball to Peter. Get behind me, devil. Why? Because in that moment, Peter was speaking a lie. The lie that this isn't God's plan. What you just said, Jesus, that's not God's plan. That's not the plan at all. Lie. Temptation. You could avoid this plan. If you have not heard this, on the night that Jesus was arrested, he was in a garden. And he was so distressed that he actually sweat drops of his own blood. A literal possibility physically. It could happen to anybody. It means you're pretty stressed out when it happens. You could avoid all that and not die and establish a political great kingdom where one day they'll erect statues in your name. It'd be great. That's the temptation that I believe was in front of Jesus with Peter's words. 
And then the accusation in those words that the enemy could take what Peter was saying and, and think, well, maybe I'm not the Lamb of God that came to lay down his life. Or even worse, and probably what was really going on there, look around you. Have you seen humanity since you've walked this good earth? The oppression of the Roman government and the hypocrisy of religion? You want to die for these people? They're not worth it. And what was Jesus' response to that? It's a pretty good case. His response was a hard no. You get behind me, devil. Because he knew the yes behind that powerful no. And if you want to hear a more warm, fuzzy version of that powerful yes behind Jesus' hard nose. Let me give you another example. In John 8, this is one of my favorite encounters that Jesus had as he walked this good earth in the flesh. John 8, starting in verse 2, it says, Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, just a normal day. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher which is a very, very respectful term, rabbi, teacher. Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Let me pause there for a moment. There's a couple of really cool things there in that one verse. First of all, what is the test? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. What, what is the test? Well, this was a very huge gotcha moment because on the one hand, Jesus could kind of obey the teaching that he was becoming very popular for. He had taught that the one thing that separated what he was teaching from those Pharisees and the leaders of Judaism of that day, they placed heavy burdens on people's backs to obey the law so perfectly that maybe, just maybe, God would be okay with them. And instead, Jesus was teaching about something they hadn't really heard much about, grace, forgiveness, the kind of love that doesn't just love the people that are just like you, but loves even your enemies. And that's what Jesus had been teaching. And here's an opportunity for them to catch him. Well, if you want to keep talking about grace and forgiveness, you're going to have to do it and disobey the law of Moses in order to carry it out. Gotcha. And if you agree to this stoning of this woman, you're going to lose all those followers that thought you were talking about grace and forgiveness and mercy. That's out the window. He was in a catch-22. It was a rock and a hard place. I either cave in and pick up a rock and help these guys put this woman to death publicly in a very humiliating way, which, by the way, she was probably naked in front of them in this moment. And some scholars believe that because of the time of the day that this all happened, that most likely they lied in wait, knowing this woman was already having an adulterous relationship, and the scribes and the Pharisees plotted it all out, that they could catch her red-handed and bring her right there in front of everybody as he comes to teach in the temple, as he was prone to do. What a scheme. What a plan. And so we got him now. He's going to have to either obey the law of Moses and lose this grace thing and be like one of us, or he disobeys the law altogether, and then everybody will know this can't be the Messiah 
Because it's the law of Moses that prophesied about the Messiah. And if he is the Messiah, he's going to obey every little jot tittle of the law. But as you might imagine, oh, Jesus, he's God. And he answered so well. He bent down and rolled on the ground. I've heard people speculate about this. This is kind of a fun thing to speculate about. I I was having a conversation just a couple of weeks ago that this is on someone's list of questions to ask in heaven. Jesus, what were you writing on the ground? Because it doesn't say. I've had people speculate over and over what that might be. I met someone who said, I'm pretty sure it's a smiley face. Cool. Could have been. Could have been. I heard a preacher, I think down in the mountains of southeastern Kentucky where I'm from, I think I heard a preacher say this one. I know I heard this preached. I can't remember if it was when I was growing up or if it was more recent. But he literally preached this. I thought, ooh. He said, I believe he was writing down the names of all the men with rocks in their hands and right next to their names, their most recent sin against God. Uh Uh-oh. Got serious. If that was what was happening, we just don't know. But he just bends down and he writes with his finger on the ground. It says in verse 7, and as they continued to ask him, in other words, he just kept writing on the ground. They had to ask him more than once what to do here. And it says, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, They went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. That's a hard no. Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. This is a powerful moment. And Jesus gives a hard no to Peter with all that he said, rebuking Jesus about this thing, about him dying and coming back to life in three days, suffering at the hands of the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests. When Peter said, that's not the plan, Jesus said, no, hard no to you on that, Peter. When all the religious leaders brought this woman who deserved to be punished for what she had done. It's right there in the law of Moses that she should be punished and condemned for what she had done. It was a hard no. And what was the yes behind that no? He was able to very firmly, very boldly say no to this woman's very public and very humiliating death because he had already said yes long ago, way long ago, to his own public and humiliating death for that woman and for you and for me and for every single person that he was able to see as he looked around that crowd, all with rocks in their hands. He knew he was there to die for them. And you know, that sounds really cool, but let me kind of get even more specific and clear with you. You go and read the next to last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, especially just in the first four verses. You want to know what Jesus' end game is? You want to know what God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that's always been, is, and always will be? You want to know what his end game is? He is incredibly giddy about the day. When this world as we know it comes to an end and he ushers in a new heaven and a new earth 
where it says in Revelation 21, and the dwelling of God is now with man. They will be my people and I will be their God and we will be together forever. Do you realize everything God has ever said, everything God has ever done, everything that God is saying now and everything he's doing right now is to accomplish simply this yes. He is saying yes to being with you forever. And everything he has ever done is to reach that end. If there were only one of you here on this planet, he would do it all over again. The reason I know this is because he created you and he loves you. And it says that the very hairs of your head are numbered in the Bible. Some of us give God a higher count than others. It says that he collects your tears in a bottle. He knows you that intimately. It says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I found out to, uh, earlier this week that if your DNA, that double helix throughout your body, were to be unraveled completely and put end to end, it would get you to the moon and back thousands of times, all consisting in your body. You're a miracle because God made you. And it's a miracle that he loves us that much. That though we deserve the death that this woman had in front of her, Jesus said, no. He says to you, I imagine it nose to nose with you today. Nose to nose with you right now in this moment. Neither do I condemn you. No. I died for you. I love you. I have a plan for you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're going through. And I don't care what you're facing tomorrow. This is true. I made you. I love you. I died for you. I want to spend forever with you. And that's my yes. And what came with that yes of Jesus is a whole bunch of no's. No to condemnation. No to aimlessness. No to shame. No to regret. No to your past. No to your weakness. Yeah, who cares? Because he's everything. You can lose everything you have in this world today. If you have Jesus, you have it all. So the yes behind Jesus' nose is to be with you forever. What are you going to do about that today, guys? What are you going to do about that? Have you done anything with that at all? Maybe you didn't even know that till today. Or maybe you kind of thought it, but never heard it quite like this. I believe today is a divine appointment for you to settle what you're going to do about Jesus' powerful yes behind these no's. And my next step that I encourage you to consider today is this. Would you say yes yourself to Jesus' yes today? He doesn't force you into a relationship with him. Last time I heard, that's not love. That's brainwashing. That's Stockholm Syndrome. Jesus does not wish for that kind of relationship with you. He wants you to have an opportunity to experience forever with him to be a part of his forever family, and he died for it to happen, it's up to you to take a step of faith and do what it says in Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you had your yes moment with Jesus? 
Have you had that moment where everything turned and it gave you new life? He offers that freely to you right where you sit. And all you have to do to experience it is call upon his name and say yes. So I invite you to do that right here, right now. Will you bow your heads as we pray? Oh, Father, I can't believe that you did all this for us. And we are so undeserving. No matter how good we are on our best day, we are unworthy of your grace and your mercy. And I'm reminded today, as we sang earlier, you do not want heaven without us. You created heaven for us, to be with you forever. And Lord, in this room, if there's anyone here that is yet to experience the transformation that happens when you actually believe this, I pray right now that they would courageously call upon your name and say, oh Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I accept your free, undeserving gift of abundant and eternal life starting today, oh Lord. And Father, as people in this room and people hearing this message, pray that prayer right now. May you cast aside the enemy who wants to still lie and accuse attempt and say, that didn't make any difference. He didn't do that for you. You are still worthy of being condemned. You didn't do anything right to deserve this. In fact, your wrongs are too much. Lord, I pray that you would cast the lies of the enemy apart from this place today and help them to hear nothing but your amazing undeserved truth that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us so that you can actually be with us forever. Oh, Father, we stake our lives on this truth. And all over this room, there are those whose lives have been changed by this truth. But if there's just one in this place that is yet to experience that, Lord, speak to their hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit and move them to take this big step of faith today. We ask it all in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.